Okay, so this is what I'm guessing will be the very first episode of Obscuragami. Who knows? Who knows? What number of episodes <laughs> we'll be at by the time we unveil this to the public? By, by the time this makes it out there. I'm Ben. Is that necessary to state at this appointment? Probably if this is the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> True. Excuse me. I mean, it's it's kind of implied. I mean, there's sometimes I'll start listening to a podcast and I won't know who who's talking. Who's talking? I'll just like be looking through a podcast directory or something, right? And just click on one and start listening. Sure. And so you have no prior knowledge of who, who the people are. Um, well, if you're like Thomas, then uh, then I'm Ben. And, and I'm Thomas. And if not, we're still Ben and Thomas, and you're still who you are. What's what's really fun is uh, some of the podcasts that explain their podcast in every episode. Oh, yeah. The only real one like that that I've run across, or that I listen to on a regular basis, is um, the, flop ca- the Flop House. Right. I always want to call them the Flop Cast. But they're not. But they're not. They're the Flop House. But right. yeah, they explain their show. There's quite a few that have a a quick little log line. Yeah. That's pretty catchy and easy to repeat. I think our log line is we talk about obscure things. Right. (laughs) It's right there in the name. So, yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with origami, except in the origami episode, probably where we'll talk about obscure obscure origami. origami. Right. That's upcoming. Yeah. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about an obscure band. Uh, called Magma. And if you live in Europe, this band might not be that obscure. You may have heard of them before. They have a, a much bigger following over there than they do in North American in countries. North America. But if you're me, they're extremely obscure. They are extremely obscure for probably the general public anywhere, I would abs- assume. You would abs- um, obsume? Obsume. <laughs> that's, that's the next podcast we're doing. <laughs> The Absume podcast. Is that is that just like absumptions? Absumptions <laughs> <laughs> that, that you had that aren't actually true. Obs obstrufications. Obstr obstrinations. Obstrination. So, so I know we'll, nothing I know nothing about magma. Right. So I'm very interested to hear. So let me let me bring you in with okay. a little bit of background. Yes. Uh, once upon a time there was a band called the Beatles. Right. That you may have heard. I have. I'm vaguely familiar. That are not obscure. Yeah. And what's also not obscure is an album called uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And with uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, there was kind of a a movement that followed in its wake of progressive rock music, Mm -hmm. which is basically just experimental, um, experimental music. And it led to a lot of... It opened the doors for a lot of different types of music to be fused with rock and pop and in general opened the ears of the listening public to be able to buy um, or be interested in weird music that's kind of off the beaten path. And um, so yeah, Magma is a part of that movement, part of the art rock movement. Other bands like The Soft Machine and Gong that were emerging in the early 70s. So... This is a dumb question, but I'm going to bring it up because Absolutely. I think I just had this realization. But progressive rock in the word progressive rock, <laughs> the word progressive 
refers to the progressive nature of the style. Well, not and not necessarily like like my I guess my assumption was like progressive rock was a type of rock that had like a progressive like structure of some sort. Right. Well, you would be correct in that. And but you have already hit upon a gray area even at this so early time. Debate. <laughs> well, it it's as a as a subgenre, it doesn't exactly exist because it it's literally just a classification that people put like bands from a certain time period into. There there is such a thing as new progressive rock bands, but they mostly are descended or connected to either musically or otherwise to a group of bands from earlier on. That being said, most progressive rock um, does depend upon a, unusual meters and unusual um, structure. So progressive progressive is a um, there's there's multiple attributes of progressive yeah. rock that that might be the progressive element right, of right. The rock. But the direction that progressive <clears throat> rock took in the in the 70s was it got more and more outlandish and flamboyant and led to things like, you know, extended drum solos and right. um, keyboard stage theatrics, things like Pink Floyd um, flying a giant right. pig-shaped balloon over the audience, building a life-size wall, mm-hmm. Donald Trump style. <laughs> um, <laughs> it could... could could we maybe extrapolate that um, Donald Trump's campaign is just kind of the, the pinnacle of the progressive rock? In, in a movement. manner of speaking. Yeah. And he's used um, the, the wall as, as campaign music. Right. Kind of ironically, I think, because that, that album is about um, suppression <laughs> from authority figures. <laughs> So I don't think the, the connotations there were quite fully thought out, but yeah, I think that's fair to extrapolate. Okay. But anyway, progressive rock kind of collapsed on itself at the end of the 70s, like like mag- magma, as we're about to discuss. Magma but, collapsed on itself, or they were in in, in that itself. Okay. Um, so magma, as the lore goes, was formed by an artist named Christian Vander. And uh, when John Coltrane died, uh, Christian Vander was thrown into despair, obviously being a huge John Coltrane fan. And uh, in, his, in his despair and agony, he fell asleep one night and had a vision of the future of planet Earth. And it tied in with this vision of a, uh, a planet called Kobaya that uh, people from Earth would go forth to visit. And so uh, Magma was sort of his musical project to uh, recapture the essence of that vision that he had. Uh, I've never, I haven't heard any reports on whether or not this was chemically induced, this vision, or heavenly induced. But regardless, um, he launched this project called Magma. Magma is very interesting. Their first album, their debut album, which we were listening to a little bit of at the beginning, it came out in 1970. It's a double album. And it, uh, it features a lot of extended tracks. Um, I think the shortest track is maybe five minutes. And they sort of all flow together, so you can listen to the album as, as a whole. Um, and most of their albums flow that way. 
the music is very heavy on the percussion, Christian Vander, as well as the songwriter's drummer. So he relies a lot on the, on the percussion. Um, there's a lot of brass, a lot of piano riffs, a lot of repetition. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that comes later on after their debut that they're very famous for is their choral arrangements. So you could say yeah. that Magma is uh, sort of an opera, jazz, rock, uh, classical fusion band. <laughs> and, and you would be quite accurate in saying so. Yeah. They often get compared to Carl Orff, who uh, composed or arranged the, uh, the O Fortuna arrangement that you're probably most familiar with. So anyway, um, that's Magma. Magma. <clears throat> oh, one, one minor detail that I okay. forgot to mention is that the lyrics to Magma are entirely composed in a, a fictional language. Oh, I see. That Christian Vander uh, yeah. has been compiling and constructing over the years. Assumedly, the language of this... Kobayan. Kobayan, yeah. Is the language. Do you know, did he feel like he was successful in capturing, recapturing this this vision he had as a musical project. Or? Well, I'm not I'm not really sure. He's still on tour. Oh, so it's still um, he's still capturing it. So he's still he's still pursuing the vision, and it's sort of become his life direction. Yeah. Um, so from the from the low point of his life being a suicidal um, mourner over John Coltrane right. to to pursuing this this sort of science fiction vision. Uh, in musical format, there there is a story supposedly to the Magma albums, and they they form trilogies and whatnot. Although they're not in the order, they're not released in the order that the trilogies are. So there's sort of a Star Wars prequel trilogy right. going on there where things are all out of order. And having listened to to a good chunk of it, there's nothing obviously in the lyrics right. <laughs> that conveys the story <laughs> to me. So. Uh, you kind of have to, I guess, uh, piece it together from what people have read from the from the French liner notes. It's a, it's a French band, right. so I mean, the thing that makes it unique is the scale of it, and the fact that really it's uh, it's kind of spawned a subgenre of progressive rock called Zool, which means uh, celestial in Cobayan. Interesting. So uh, there's several Zool bands. Uh, most of them were originally spinoffs of Magma, so mm-hmm. members of the band that left and formed their own similar groups. Um, but it spread to other bands in France and Belgium, and in the 21st century, it's actually spread to Japan. There's a number of Japanese groups that have experimented with this type of music. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's a very unusual, interesting uh, kind, of, kind of a band. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just uh Well now I'm curious to hear some play it play a few excerpts. <clears throat> and people might may be able to hear these if if they can't, we'll of course link to some places where you can hear Absolutely. some of these tracks. So there's a fair amount of experimentation in the lyrics yeah. that are sort of influenced by scat singing and yodeling. 
I can see that. Really. <laughs> this is still from their debut album, so they were still they finding were, their legs at this point. Right. This is they're just kind of testing the waters. Right. It's it's pretty heavily influenced by jazz rock fusion, bands like Weather Report and Mahavishnu Orchestra. Right. And clearly the the French characters from uh, and Monty Python sketches. Right. You can hear here the influence of the opera. <laughs> is the is the translation of the lyrics known? Or is that some of the some of the albums contain a literal translation of the lyrics. Most do not, from what I understand. So it's uh, it's kind of more of a general <laughs> synopsis. Skip ahead a couple albums to uh, their third album, which is considered their their masterpiece, their seminal work. This album is called MDK, uh, Mechanic Destructic Commanda, most commonly referred to as MDK. This is a little bit more pleasant to listen to, and you uh, you get as you're listening to the album, you you sort of get into a. A bit of a trance with the music because there's a lot of repetition and thematic development that goes on these are the kind of people we need scoring sci-fi films to really like create that alien, create that atmosphere. alien atmosphere. They did do one avant-garde French film, which I'm now interested in watching. Yeah, that would be interesting. Is there a specific? meaning or origin to the name magma uh magma i believe is a term for uh liquid rock when rock reaches a very high temperature right. i believe that was uh the idea the idea behind it of course it does play into some of the post-apocryphal themes of the story right. from what i understand but 
as I already stated, I don't have a very good grasp of the story, unfortunately. <clears throat> and uh, just in case any diehard magma listeners are listening, your uh, your synopsis would not be complete with about without a little live magma. This is uh, actually the soundtrack from the film. Ah. Tristan et Isu Isugulet. It is very theatrical. Like it just reminds yeah. it reminds me of listening to like well you like you said opera, but just even like even aside from opera, just like musical theater. Yeah kind of has elements. Yeah, definitely. And there's aspects of that to their performing style as well. Yeah, I'm sure. It's a sort of uh, music that you could march to. Or also have a really bad acid trip to. <laughs> reminds me of a childhood experience where uh, my brother, my younger brother and I would listen to Italian opera and make up, we would try to discern lyrics mm -hmm. from the Italian opera. Uh, right. Not literally trying to translate the opera, but just hearing what we thought it sounded like right. in English and then, you know. Right. Misheard lyrics. That, essentially, that was the that was the well. We knew we knew we were misinterpreting them, but that was right. that was the joy. Yeah, we called it opera hot dog. Um, there's the, there's definitely a lot of that in magma. If that's a recreational pastime that you still enjoy, I highly recommend the magma catalog. It's sort of a, a Rorschach test of it is of lyrics. It's it's very abstract words that are coming at you. And you, you hear them many times, so you get to decide what they mean. Yeah. There's a track on this album that sounds a lot like sneezing. <laughs> I'm enjoying making fun of some of the uh, elaborateness of it, but it is, they are quite skillful musicians. It's not. You might not get that impression from getting a few scattered clips, but if you had the opportunity to listen to the whole, you would see a picture of some versatile and yeah. highly creative people. It's not like as... 
as sort of frantic as it seems on the the surface, it's really not that chaotic. Right. Like, there's a definite, like, you know... Pulse to it. Pulse within the scattered... uh, And what I like about it, compared to other art music of this era, is that it's not boring. It doesn't lapse into 45-minute sort of keyboard solos that are very unstructured. (laughs) Most of their albums are short. They're less than 40 minutes. Usually closer to 30. So anyway, I think that will suffice as an introduction. That's, uh, well, that's a that's a nice little sampling. I'm going to definitely have to check out, maybe listen to one of their uh, their albums through as I, uh, you know, stay very far away from acid <laughs> during that time. <laughs> but yes, they made they made two albums later on in the 70s that were not as well received by their by the Cobayan fan base. Right. Um, well, sort of a George Lucas situation. <laughs> something like that. A lot of bands towards the end of the 70s. It was sort of the collapse of the movement that the Beatles started as things shifted towards punk and disco. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of sold out a little bit to try and gain back the momentum that they had lost as the 70s kind of moved on without them. Um, and then they uh, released a new album in the 80s, which was also not well received, and eventually gradually worked their way back up to touring regularly. And they've been touring since 1996. Uh, their last studio album came out in 2012, so still quite active. Wow. Still touring. Very cool. That's Magma. That's Magma. It's, uh, it's mag- Magmatastic. M-A-G-M-A. Magma. Look it up. It's very, very obscure, but not anymore. Because we've blown, we've blown the cover up. <laughs> we blew the lid off of, <laughs> off the magma. Off the magma. We blew our volcano, so to speak. All right, so now we, um, oh, I went to the Unusual Articles article. Excellent. Uh, this is the part of the show where we go on Wikipedia and we hit random article and then talk about what we find. It's, uh, you know, we might find something obscure, or maybe not. Let's see. This is Biniax. Biniax. Biniax was a puzzle video game, or is a puzzle video game, introduced in 2005. For uh, uh, for what platform? uh, Oh, wow. Mobile phone, Dreamcast, Windows, Linux, Amiga, BOS, GP2X, PSP, and Mac OS X. I, th- hmm. I have I don't even know what that platform is. Which one? GP2X. GP2X is a Linux-based handheld video game portable media player. Well, wow. Maybe that's a future topic right there. That's yeah. I put a was, pin in that. Was uh, not familiar with that item. I've never heard of that. So, by it's B I N I A X. So Biniax or Binax, Binax. I think Biniax. Biniax probably the closest. My my closest guess. There's a lot of sort of technical (laughs) descriptions. (laughs) Sorry, we're just taking a moment to take in this article here. Does not seem like the uh, the type of game that would 
grab my interest. It is a puzzle. It is a puzzle game. And it's quite puzzling. Look based on this. Are there any screenshots of it that we can No. Well Let's do I a mean, quick Google here, and yeah, see if we can see what it looks like. That might be more helpful than the Yeah, there's So what we're looking at kind of resembles a uh, a bunch of crates that are colored there's, there's on their ends. Ends and then there's shapes. There's triangles, X's, squares. I can't see the shapes, circles. I'm shape blind. I can I'm only so, see the colors. I'm so sorry. I think this is the sequel here. It's a little bit more... Uh, uh, Benny X2. Benny X2, yeah. Huh. Uh, but yeah, maybe check out Benny X2. It was uh, a game by Jordan Tusuzov. If I can download it here. Here's a YouTube video. Oh. Of Benny X2. Benny X2, yeah. This is an open source game. So... Light, it's likely free. It seems that's a very nice sort of carrot uh, character that seems to be the mascot. Would you describe that carrot as frenetic? <laughs> I don't know if I would describe the car carrot as frenetic. Just watching some of the gameplay here, this seems like a sort of Tetris meets Bejeweled Space Invaders hmm. uh, mashup w with more of a carrot theme. So well put. Those are my first impressions. <laughs> that was well put. Our download options here for Android are uh, Biniax 2 and Sushi Biniax. The, uh, the instructions for Sushi Biniax are do not let your sushi touch touches the bottom of the screen. <laughs> Very interesting. Thank you, Wikipedia. You Thank you, Wikipedia. That led us to the GP2X. So uh, we might talk about that in the future. The yeah. Linux... Let's definitely put that Hand put that down. Gaming device. Do do do. So that's probably episode one <laughs> of Obscuragami. Thank you for listening to oh. probably episode one. There's not really any point in talking about giving us feedback where the show notes no, at, are not? or aren't. Well, I mean, people can. Yeah. We give just, us feedback. We just can't really give them any way to give us feedback yet. So oh, there's, there's no established. We literally uh, have not created anything yet. There's no website. There's no email address. There's no show notes. <laughs> but there will be show notes. But there will be those things. Presumably, though, if you've found this podcast, you can also <laughs> find those things. And presumably, you already know who we are. So Because, you know. Yeah. I'm sure the t the 12 downloads we'll have for this uh, <laughs> this episode will largely be comprised of people who are already familiar with our works. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, good. if you have any thoughts, give us a call because we're probably in your contest. Yeah, we're we're uh, we're nearby. <laughs> Just uh, come on over, sit down with us, have a cup of coffee, and uh, and we'll talk about. It. What you thought of this show? And when we're we're sixty episodes deep, and we're we're like you know at ten thousand downloads an episode, and you went back in the archives and listened to the first episode, <laughs> it's way too late at this point. Why would you give us feedback on our first episode? I know if if, you, if <laughs> you're from the future and you came back here and listened to episode one, and you're giving us feedback on episode one, please do not. Please just stop. reconsider what you're doing with your time. I know, you, I know you're like three paragraphs deep in your, in your essay, your email <laughs> essay about magma, 
but just delete it. We really don't need that. And if, I mean, if you can't bring yourself to delete it, just save it in the drafts and never push send. Yeah. For the good of humanity. (laughs) For the good of humanity. (laughs) All right. Well, Well, Thomas, I, I think we're done. Yeah, I think so.